Is it good, man? Wesley. <laughs> the weather's shit, isn't it? Yeah. Fuck, it's typical Manchester. This is what you get. This was one of the first things Rio Ferdinand said to me when we met in Manchester on a cold, cold day. Rio called me Wesley because he thinks I look like Wesley Snyder. And to be honest, he may have a point. I actually got free beers from a group of Ajax fans in a bar once because they thought I looked like Wesley Snyder. Well, anyways, thanks to Marriott Bonvoy, I had the opportunity to meet Rio Ferdinand at Old Trafford and reflect on his glory years at Manchester United. We sat down at the Theatre of Dreams and took a trip down memory lane. Did you know, for example, that Rio Ferdinand almost became a professional ballet dancer before taking on a professional football career and becoming a Manchester United legend? We spoke about that and a number of other things, including the ridiculous suit he wore for his presentation at Manchester United, what it was like to work with legends like Cristiano Ronaldo and Sir Alex Ferguson, and the glory years of Rio's career at Old Trafford. This is the story of Rio Ferdinand and how he became a legend at Manchester United. My name is Sam Verrate and welcome to the home of football. Not a lot of people know I've done ballet. It was like, for me, it was an adventure. Go off my estate, meet new people, maybe some new girls. Sometimes I'll be crying, holding back the tears, because I was thinking, this is trying to kill me, man. The chance for my children to see Cristiano Ronaldo play in a Man United shirt, I never thought it was possible. And when you have to kind of like draw the curtain and say goodbye, it's very difficult. We kicked off our chat by talking about Rio's experiences at Old Trafford and what the iconic stadium means to him. This is my favourite place to play football. Like when, when I, whenever I think about football and some of my best moments, my best memories, this is the stadium that comes to mind immediately. The feeling when you're in the tunnel and you're walking out and so many times as you walk out, the, the stadium just goes like that. It just grabs you. And sometimes a lot, when I walked out, I would look at the opposition sometimes and you would see some people go, like you see the confidence go or fear sometimes, especially with the team we had as well. And this is what this type of stadium does. I think what this Old Trafford has over all of the new stadiums, some of them are better than Old Trafford in facilities, but in terms of history and character, the memories that, that come straight to your mind, this is one of the best. What's your favourite trophy you won at this stadium? The Premier League, the first Premier League title I won, because I, I was always striving to win. And when you get the first one, it's like... Because you never think it's possible. And then when it happened, man, I remember running out of my house in Manchester, running down the road, but no shoes on, nothing, sprinting, going crazy. Just It was just a... The best feeling, man. Rio Ferdinand's football journey started long before the glory years at Manchester United. His life began at the Friary Estate in Peckham, in southeast London. It was a rough place to live and grow up in the 80s and early 90s. Growing up, Rio Ferdinand was raised by an Irish mother, Janice, and an Afro-Saint Lucian father, Julian. In his biography, Rio wrote that he thought Peckham was the greatest place on earth when he grew up there. So, I asked him to paint a picture of Peckham for someone who's never been there. Yeah, where I'm from is like, 
when I speak, when everyone says, oh, where are you from? And people say, oh, because there was a lot of trouble there and stuff. But I only smile and I'm happy when I think about when I was a kid. Um, my day when I was growing up was just about football with your friends, laughing, joking, trying to get some food from somewhere, play football, and that's it. And um, listen, there was some stuff that happened on the estate. With, but I think when you did the big thing for me, when you played football, that was like protection because people on the estate start to find out, oh, you're a good player. This boy's got a chance. He's someone who could actually come out of this estate and do something really good. So people then, when there's trouble, they kind of go, not for you. And they move you to the side or they do it away from you. Do you know what I mean? So for me, I think that football would save me definitely in that sense because, listen, a lot of my friends, they've done this, they've done that. But I was able to kind of have a focus of football and it was the best thing that happened to me. Diego Maradona was one of my heroes when I was growing up. And I think um, I always remember that was the first real memory I had in 86 when he took on the whole England team and he scored like that crazy goal. That was the first goal that I saw that you went outside after and thought, I want to be like this guy. And you tried to do it and you're talking about what you've done and stuff with your friends. It was the first moment that I was like, wow, that's the impact of a footballer can have on a young kid. You also did ballet and you were very good at that. Mm. How did that happen and what was it like? Yeah, not a lot of people know I, I've done ballet. Um, and it was, I was doing gymnastics and a scout from like one of the best top ballet schools in Farringdon in Central School of Ballet in England. Um, they saw me and I don't know what they saw. They said, oh, I think you could be a ballet dancer. So for me, I, I wasn't interested in ballet when they asked me, but it was like, for me, it was an adventure go off my estate, meet new people, maybe some new girls. And I thought, I've got to go and see what's happening. So I went and I stayed there for like four years, I think. But then it got to a point where it was like, you're going to keep doing ballet or you're going to play football. You can't do both, it's too much. And I chose football, which was great. But I think ballet was great for me, like for balance, for strength, it was good. Eventually, Rio left ballet aside in order to pursue his dream of becoming a professional footballer. His father wasn't really into football, he was into Kung Fu. However, that didn't stop him in motivating his son to get the most out of himself in football. He challenged Rio in every way he could. Yeah, my, my dad was like crazy like that. My dad wasn't into football, my dad was into martial arts. Um, so when I started playing for a football team, he used to come and do the fitness side of things, which he was hard. He never used to smile, he used to just be very... And he used to get on the bike sometimes and say, right, follow me. And I used to think, what, on my bike? He said, no, no, you're running and follow me. And he used to just ride and I used to, sometimes I'd be crying, holding back the tears because I was thinking, this, he's trying to kill me, man. But he made me stronger. He made me definitely mentally stronger. And so at the time I used to think this guy's crazy. But when I look back, when I got older, it's like, thank you. This question is a little bit personal, but I think it's interesting. In your biography, you also wrote that your bond with your father became closer when he moved out, mm. when he moved to another estate. And in your biography, you also wrote you never quite figured out why that became closer at that point. Did you figure it out by now? Yeah, I think with my dad, when he was living with us, he was, he was one way. And then when he left, he became a little bit softer because he knew that he had to put more time and effort with us, with me and my brother. So. When he left, he, he went on an estate near, called the Yellow Brick Estate. And he didn't just, uh, he obviously taking us football all the time, but he became a little bit more open, talking more and showing more emotion 
feeling a little bit. Still not enough. He would he would uh, admit that now, but I think it was just a sign of maturity for him that he he realised I've moved out. I have to do more, and he was great. A man called Dave Goodwin worked in the area while also working at professional football clubs like West Ham. One day, Dave spotted Rio's talent and quickly became a kind of mentor to him in the world of football. Yeah, Dave Goodwin was a um, he was like my coach of a, a, a district team, of the area team. And he used to work at professional clubs. So he would go and watch games at like Arsenal or in London mainly. He would take me with him to the game and he would say to me, right, uh, write down the formation. Right, write down where the team are at corners. So I was just getting to look at football differently a little bit because he was a scout and he was doing match reports. And then we would talk on the way home how they played, which players were impressive, etc. And then he would talk about how the team he's working for would play against his team, like formations and stuff. So I started to understand football a little bit deeper than most probably children would be thinking about football. Normally, as a kid, you just watch the goals and that's it. Um, so he was great for me at that time. And then a couple of times in my when I was young, he, he, I, he spoke to me about certain things. New players coming in the team, don't be worried fight for your position and stuff like that and he was he was great in that in that respect yeah there's also a good story from your first training session at at west ham i think you were still at your qpr gear what happened there yeah yeah west ham asked me to come and train with them frank lampard's dad was the scout he brought me to west ham and i went there i turned up late like an hour late because i had to get so many trains and buses to get there and when i got there i had a qpr kit on because i was training at qpr all the players looking at me like what is this He's late, he's in a QPR kit, what is this? And they did. I, I felt that they didn't really want me there. And in training, they kicked me a little bit and stuff. But And I didn't want to go back. I said, I'm not going back. And then Frank Lampard's dad came and watched me again and said, listen, come, we want you to come back. And then I ended up going. And then the rest is history. When did you know you would become a professional football player? I, I don't know if everyone has this moment, but I had one game where I played against Chelsea in the Southern Junior Floodlit Cup. And it was like under 18s game. I was just leaving school. So I left school that, that day, got on the bus and the train and went straight to the stadium and meet the team there. And you've got like 17 and 18 year olds playing. I was like 15 at the time. And I played um, at Stamford Bridge, like big stadium. And I was like, wow. And I played and I played in midfield, attacking midfield, I scored. And then I scored one of the penalties and we won the, the, the cup. And because on that pitch, there was a couple of players that had played first team for, Chelsea, for Chelsea. And I thought I felt like I, I matched them or was better than them at the time. And I thought this gives me the comfort. I think I'll make it now. I don't know what level I'm going to make it, but I will make it somewhere because I felt comfortable. What was it like for you when you were 19 years old and we were able to buy your mum a four-bedroom house? Listen, I think every young person's dream is to be able to one day say to their mum and dad, "Listen, here's the keys to a house," or "Listen, stop working." Um, I'd done it when I was 19 years old. It was an amazing feeling. Do you know, I think being able to do that is like, it's not why you play football, but it gives you the opportunity when you play football to do that. And for me, that was one of the first things that I'd done. Indeed, Rio eventually broke through as a professional footballer. He spent his first years as a pro at West Ham in Bournemouth before signing for Leeds United. After a few successful years at Leeds and a good 2002 World Cup with England, Manchester United signed him for around 30 million pounds, which was a transfer record at the time. 
Rio Ferdinand signed a five-year deal and was presented at Old Trafford. He wore a white suit and dyed his hair white as well for the presentation. You should look the picture up on Google. Rio looked flashy. We took a picture of that day with us and showed it to Rio to freshen up his memory and get the story behind this ridiculous outfit. <laughs> I um, This day was like one of the best days because um, when I was young and I was growing up, I wanted to always win trophies. I wanted to get somewhere to win. And at West Ham, with all due respect, with Leeds, we wasn't quite there. And I had the opportunity to come to Man United and an amazing day. Um, all my friend, friends and family were very proud. The suit, I actually, I remember exactly where I got it. A place called Probito in London. All the guys who know fashion will know this place, yeah? <laughs> and um, Italian guy said, listen, this will be a nice suit. To be fair, the suit is better in real life. In the pictures, it looks worse. Trust me, I swear to you, right? I'm not joking. I've still got a suit at home. I'm going to give it to the museum here, I think. We should do something with us. We bring, bring it to the museum and give it to them. Um, but this suit, I think, almost became more famous than me. It was like crazy. But, um, and the hair, the blonde hair. See what I mean? I was doing the blonde hair before Cisco, before everyone. Now, it's the fashion again. So... Um, yeah, it was crazy times. The manager actually said to me on this day, he said, Rio, what the fuck are you wearing? He said to my mum, what is he, what is, is this suit? Is he for real with this suit? But I didn't care. I always wear what I want. I don't care anyway. So the moment you first heard Manchester United wanted to sign you, what was the process then up until the moment you were on this pitch wearing that magnificent suit? I was in the World Cup and some of the players, my teammates were Man United players like Bex, Nicky Butt, Scolzi, Neville. Um, and we were obviously eating lunch, breakfast, etc. And they would ask me, like, would you come to United? Like, would you be interested? So when I'm hearing this, I know that the manager's asking them to ask me. And an amazing feeling. And then the club, uh, they bid to Leeds, but Leeds declined the offer. And it was like a world record fee. And I was like, whoa, whoa, I must go. I have to go. This is my chance to win. I need to go, man. And I went to, the, to the, uh, the chairman's office and just stayed there for like five, six hours saying, I'm not leaving. Like I'm sitting like this. I said, I'm not, tell the, the chairman I'm not going until we agree something. And eventually he came back and said, listen, we understand you, you're, you're going to go. And the club leads at the time needed the money. I knew that. So it was a deal I think was good for everybody. All right, so you knew you were going to sign here. I listened to your podcast with Eddie Hearn. I thought it was really interesting. Uh, you talked a lot about Emporium and your life in uh, London <laughs> before you moved to Leeds. Then you went to Leeds, then Manchester. So the level of pro professionalism here was different, right, than what you were used to. In what ways was it different? The professionalism when I came to Man United was just like elite. It was, to, it was built to win. So when I was at Leeds and, and West Ham, it was like enjoying life really enjoying life and enjoying playing the game and then after where we're going. And whereas here it was very much every day, the standard of training, you had to apply yourself every day to be the best. And the guys, when they went out at May United, we had great times going out. I'm not saying we lived like crazy, like monks. We went out, but it was all, we went out at the right times. We didn't have a game in the midweek, so we'd go out and enjoy ourselves. But I have to say that the training was like, again, I'm going to, to Man United. I want to impress Ruud van Nistelrooy, Roy Keane, David Beckham. I want to impress these guys. I want to show them that you've, West, Man United have bought me 
for big money, I can't come and be like average. I have to be good standard. You came in as a guy who cost 30 million pounds. Yeah. What kind of remarks did you get from the players? Yeah, yeah. I, I trained and um, I remember on my first day, that was the most pressure at every club I signed for. The first day is always the hardest because everyone's looking to say, okay, what, it, what is it about? What, how, how much? And we done a box where you, you keep the ball like a rondo and you keep the ball. And the ball come to me, it was wet. And the, I kicked the ball and it slid off the, of my boot and it hit me in the, in the face. Embarrassing. And I remember Oli Gunnar Solskjaer said, uh, how much? And like, I was like, whoa, okay, I understand. This is going to be, I have to be strong. But it was, it was a great, great, uh, this is the good thing about United. Every day used to be tested, especially when you first come to the club, test whether it's a hard ball or a comment to see if you have the character. Sir Alex Ferguson had already been the boss at Manchester United for over 15 years when he signed Rio Ferdinand. And Rio soon learned how ruthless the Scotsman could be. Dwight York was still at Manchester United when Rio signed for the club. York was a great player, a club legend, who won the treble with Manchester United in 1999. But maybe he enjoyed that status a little bit too much off the pitch. Sir Alex Ferguson took Rio aside and used York as an example to show him just how high his demands were. When I signed, I think the first moment I had with Sir Alex Ferguson when I realized how like driven he was and you do it my way. He was, um, I was in a training ground with Dwight York who'd won the treble, great player, massive player. Um, and we were hanging out in a training ground and the manager walked past me in the, in the stairs and I was with Dwight. And he said, no, I'm all in, yeah, yeah. Then we went out to training and the manager called me and said, Rio, come here. I said, he said, uh, like, listen, if you're going to stay at this club and be a successful, you need to, to make sure you, Dwight, he's going to be, he's gone, he's going to be gone now. So make sure you, you're here to work hard. And it made me realize that like, Dwight York, legend at the club's won everything there is. But still, if you don't apply yourself and you're concentrating daily, then you have to, you have to leave and go somewhere else. Yeah, ruthless, right? Ruthless. ruthless. So Ferguson was also very personally invested in his players as well. Can you give me an example of something like he knew of your family? I think Sir Alex Ferguson like, definitely had like complete investment in all players. I think that emotionally as well, like my, my granddad, he never knew my granddad really. He met him once in the players bar. He knew what my granddad drunk, brandy. He bought him a drink. Um, when he wasn't well, he sent flowers to the hospital. Same with my mum. When my mum wasn't well, he sent flowers to the hospital. Those little things, when you, you go onto the football pitch and he's asking you to, to, to sweat blood and tears on the pitch, it becomes much easier when you, you, that you have that emotional investment as well. How did your relationship evolve when Sir Alex Ferguson stopped being the manager? I've spoken to him more since I retired than when I played. And I've only been retired like six or seven years. I played for him for 12 and a half years. So he wasn't like your friend when you played. There was a, there was a difference. You're I'm the manager, you're the player. And I think when you retire, and I've, I've read a couple of these books where he speaks about that, like he didn't want to get too close to any players. And I think that's, it was obvious in the way he acted. A year after Manchester United signed Rio, the club signed Cristiano Ronaldo. It happened after Ronaldo impressed the players and Sir Alex Ferguson during a friendly match between Manchester United and Sporting Lisbon in the summer of 2003. Here's Rio on the first signing and impact of Ronaldo 
at Manchester United. He was a young puppy, man. He was like a, a young guy who wanted to entertain all the fans in this stadium. That was his first thought, I think, when he first came here. Entertain, showboat, make people enjoy the game. And by the time he left, he built himself to be a guy about end product, about goals, assists, and being the guy that wins the game. Um, and that's how then his career all went the whole time. Winning the games, being the guy, the responsibility to take a team to winning the big trophies. And I think that's where uh, he's been like, that's why he's been the best. He's been the best player in the world many years. Um, he's very different now. He's not the entertainer no more. He doesn't get involved in the game as much, but he has moments where other people can't get to. Yeah. So what is it like for you to see him play here now again? Well, I was, you know, my Instagram, you watched, I was like crazy. Like all the fans, I was going mad. I was like, wow, the, the chance for my children to see Cristiano Ronaldo play in a Man United shirt, I never thought it was possible. So to see him come and eventually sign and say to my kids, you've got two years now to enjoy it. Like, it's, it's beautiful. And I think for his family as well, it's great. His son will be able to understand what it meant. What the, They know by listening and reading the media, oh, Man United fans love Cristiano, but now his family can come in the stadium again and feel and see it. I think it's important for them because it's part of his legacy. At the start of 2006, Manchester United signed Serbian defender Nemanja Vidic. Soon, Rio and Vidic would become one of the, if not the best defensive duo in the history of modern football. Their partnership was tactically sound and ruthless. Here's Rio on his legendary partnership with Vidic. He was the guy who wanted to always go. He didn't see the players. When he went up for a header, he didn't see the opposition. He just saw the ball. And if that meant the head went on the back of the player's head, and so many times I just sit there and say, Vida, what is, what? You didn't see the guy, man. Go up with your arm like this, protect yourself, bang. But he was just, we were, we were different in that way. Um, I never broke my nose in one game. He broke it about five times. I think you have to have an operation or something like that now. But um, on the football pitch, he was like my best friend on the pitch. That's the best way to explain it. Didn't have to speak sometimes. I just knew where he was going to be. So I adjust my position around him and he knew where I was going to be and we'll do the same thing. Um, you just had like a smell for each other's game. It was just, it was crazy. And I felt at my best, at my most comfortable when I was with him. Uh, I think he would probably say the same. What a guy, great guy. We still speak now um, on the phone. How did you compliment each other on the pitch? Me and Nemanja, I think he was great at attacking the ball. He always wanted to attack the ball. I was someone who liked to cover. Uh, I was quick. I could see things quickly and read the danger. So, um, but the great thing about our partnership is that we both could do the other job as well. If I needed to attack the ball, I would and could, and he could cover as well. As, as well. So it was a, I think it was a very good partnership in that. And I think we knew and appreciated and respected each other's strengths and weaknesses. Um, and a lot of partnerships or a lot of players on the pitch, they don't want to work in partnerships. They become a little bit selfish. I want to be the guy. I want to be the best. Yes, we wanted to be the best individually as well. But the most important thing was as a pair, we wanted to be the best. You also once said that uh, Vidic is also a pretty deep guy, you know, yeah. uh, something people may not uh, know. So what did you guys talk or what do you guys talk about off the pitch? 
Yeah, Vida's always been like a deep thinker. He, he never, he's not someone who makes decisions quickly or think about it and take his time. He won't be rushed into decisions. You say, come on, Vida, we need to, to do it. Oh, wait, 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 wait. And you see him, he's just processing always. Um, so he's not like a, a guy who's going to do that. But I like that about him because I'm sometimes quite like reactive, quick. Right, okay, let's do this, let's do that. And uh, you need a little bit of difference sometimes between each other. As a centre-back, Rio Ferdinand didn't score many goals during his 12 years at Manchester United. He found the net eight times in total. But whenever he scored, it was an important goal. Not to mention the legendary goal he scored in 2006, at home to arch-rivals Liverpool. Ryan kicks. Sahar taken away by Carragher, is not exactly moving smoothly. Ferdinand! Yeah, it was. It's one of the best feelings I had on the pitch here because Liverpool. You know what it's like. It's like the, one of the biggest games that we have against one of our rivals. And I remember Giggsy was out there and he doing some skills, crossed the ball, and the ball went really high. And then I I brought it down in my right foot, bang, left foot in the top corner. The keeper had no chance. You had two keepers. He's not going to save it. <laughs> but it was. Um, no, it was, a, it was a great moment. And one of the best things for me, why it makes it so memorable is, well, I ran to the corner and the, the, my family was there. And it was my, my first son's first ever game that he came to. So, like, it couldn't have been a better occasion. The next season, in 2008, Rio won the Premier League, the League Cup and Champions League with Manchester United. It was the pinnacle of his years spent at the club. I think that team was the defining moment in my career at Man United. It was the best team I played in, had the most talented players that I played in. And it's a team that I think that across any generation of football would be able to compete at the highest level. Um, we had more than just 11 stars, a good, a strong squad. But I think the mentality was strong. We had a great blend of youth and experience and people were ready to win at that point. Um, and it was a great bunch of guys that I think we will forever share the memories and we'll always be close. We've got a WhatsApp group. All the guys are together, we chat. Um, Patrice gets slapped in a group. Sometimes we get slapped out. Um, but it's a good group. Um, we all do have to just have that general, that, that bond. So it's really good. But that 2018... I think you could, could play against any team in any generation and give them a good game. In 2014, after 455 games for Manchester United, Rio's time at the club came to an end. He won the Premier League six times and eight other trophies, including the Champions League and the Club World Cup. He was 35 years old and it was time to bring the chapter to an end. Yeah, listen, it's like the end of a chapter when you come to the end of your career at somewhere like this where you spent so many years. It's a lot of games, a lot of years. 
a lot of memories. And when you have to kind of like draw the curtain and say goodbye, it's very difficult. It's emotional, um, but I had great times here. So I, I get to enjoy that now. What does this club mean to you? This is this feels like it's part of me. This club now. Do you know what I mean? There's so many his memories here. The history that we have together was was great. There's been good and bad times. There's been lots of smiles and happiness, and there's been tears. Um, but it all makes the story. So it is crazy. But yeah, Man United. My kids support Man United now, so it's part of our life. So your kids are growing up very wealthy now, right? Very different than the way you grew up. What's something that you had when you grew up in Peckham that your children don't have now that you wish they had? I always talk about this with my friends. The difference between my children's upbringing and my upbringing is probably that I had a desperation to be a footballer, a desperation to get out of the environment that I was brought up in. Um, Whereas for the, my children and people in, in my shoes, the, the children can be comfortable. And I always talk to my kids about this. That's why hard work is always something, if you ask my children what their dad always speaks about, is hard work. So I will never be disappointed with my kids if they fail at anything. But if it's the failing because they didn't work hard enough, that's when I'll be disappointed. Do you know what I mean? So just as long as they work hard, I'll be proud. So how was it for you to look back at all these memories, all these photos from your time at Manchester? No, it's nice because don't, you don't sit there and do that a lot. You know what I mean? I don't sit there and go through old pictures and say, oh, I remember this and stuff, but I've, I've never done that. So every now and again, when these opportunities come, it is nice to see the memories. My time in Manchester United, in one word, would be magic. That's the story of Rio Ferdinand. From playing in the streets of Peckham and following ballet classes to becoming a legend at Manchester United. I think it's interesting to see that Rio is still working very hard today, albeit in different worlds. He has his own media company now, he's a TV pundit, he invests in tech companies and he's a philanthropist. But above all, he's a dedicated father. And as long as his kids work hard, I have a feeling they'll be alright. I want to thank Rio Ferdinand for this interview. Follow this podcast in your podcast app to never miss an episode. And if you want to show your support, you can give our podcast a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. That actually really helps us. All right. My name is Sam Verraten. Thank you for listening. And on to the next story in the home of football. Hi, guys. Thank you. I just filmed the podcast with 433. I'm Mario Götze. My name is Clarence Seedorf. I'm Sunil Chetri. I just finished my podcast with 433. Hello, 433 fans. This is Gibral C. Yo, what's going on, people? It's your boy, Adi Bayer, Akin Fenwa, a.k.a. Mr. Beast. Mark. I just finished the podcast with 433. Hi, 433 fans. It's Don Robbie in the building, right? And we are here for a great podcast. I want you to check it out. Hi, 433. I am Fabrizio Romano. Check out my story on the podcast. It was a great pleasure.